Okay, so we're in the book of? Was written by one of the 12 doctors. He also wrote the book of? Okay, Luke. Okay, so this is who, who um, we are talking about. Last week, we told a, a, a story about a prophet named, remember his name? Two weeks ago, last week was the video night. Two weeks ago, it was a prophet named, y'all remember his name? Agabus, right? Is that right? And does, do y'all remember what he told Paul? What, what was the pro, pro, prophecy that he, that it, what did he do and what did he say? Okay, so he took his belt, right, and said the man who owns this belt, he, he tied up his own hands and stuff and says the man who owns this belt is going to be bound up like this uh, by the Jews when he goes to Jerusalem. So that's sort of what he says, a prophecy to Paul. At that point, the crowd freaks out and they go, his friends are like, don't go, Paul. And these are like big wig friends. I mean, like, these are like pastors on staff. Woo! Like, that's a big deal. And um, um, so these, these, these are big names. And they're like, Paul, you can't go. They're going to hurt you. Uh, and Paul says, I've got to go. God's got a plan for me there. Whether I live or I'm enchained or whether I die, it's worth going for the name of Jesus Christ. So that's sort of what we talked about. Do y'all remember that from two weeks ago? Okay, I am going to ask this. When, when, when we're, as, as long as you're not reading the word or writing something down, I want you to look up at me and give me attention. Is, is that fair? I mean, when a stuttering guy is trying to speak to a crowd, it's just good to give him a little respect. Amen? Okay, I appreciate that. Um, now, not just a stern guy, any guy, um, especially when they have the, the Word of God. Now, <clears throat> we're going to be in the book of Acts, like I said, and we're starting in Acts chapter 21, and tonight we're going to go to Acts chapter 26. I know, I know, you're like, he's smoking something. No, I don't do that, and you shouldn't either. And, um, and so, so we're going to be in a big, vast amount of Scripture, and we're going to bounce through it real quick. And it hit a lot of things, but there's a huge point in this I don't want you to miss, okay? Are you with me? Let's pray one more time, make sure everybody is focused and ready, and then we're going to really hit, hit this text hard. Dear God, I thank you so much for t- tonight, the chance to walk through your word, um, just to learn uh, about how you worked in the life of, of Paul and how you have a plan for everybody in this room right here, right now. And Lord, I just ask that as you use Paul and took opportunities to to use Paul, God, I ask that you'll use us in the same way. Uh, In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, now just some background. In Acts 9, Paul was blinded when he was on the road to where? Anybody know? Damascus, right? who, who, who Who did he see on the road to Damascus? Yes, right. He saw the Lord, and Jesus said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He blinds him. Paul goes to the city. He's blind. He can't see. And a man in that city named Ananias is there. And the Lord goes to this guy and goes, hey, I want you to go to this guy, Saul, who's Paul, and I want you to to heal him, for I have a plan to use him. And Ananias says, oh, that guy, Saul, he's like killed some of my friends. He's put, put him in jail. I'm not going to go to him. And this is what the Lord says. He says, go to him in verse 15 of, of Acts 9. It says this, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Okay, so this is what he says to Ananias. He says, hey, go, because I'm going to use this guy, Paul, 
to reach the lost, the Jews, the Gentiles, and even speak before kings about who I am. And he is going to suffer greatly for my name, not because I'm, I'm mean, but this is what it's going to cost him. So go heal this guy, Saul. He goes, he heals Saul, comes Paul. Paul is baptized. He rises up. He has to leave town because they want to, to kill him in this town. And then for the rest of Acts, as we've read, he's gone and shared the gospel everywhere he's, he's gone. Now, we left him, and he was going to Jerusalem at this point. He had just been warned, if you go there, you will be in, in, in prison there, and it will not go well for you. So Paul, being Paul, what does he do? He goes. Even when he knows it's going to be hard, it's not going to go well, he believes the truth of what the prophet of God has said to him, he still goes. So we're, in, we're going to jump into Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse 30, and take a look at what it says uh, here. We're just going to read through just a, a, a couple parts. He's gone to the town. He's preached in the town since he's been there. In verse 30, it says, Then all the city was stirred up. Surprise, surprise. Paul stirs up a crowd. They get mad and they want to kill him. This is only the 47th time in Acts this has occurred. Then all the city was stirred up and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tri tribune of the, of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the trib tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Understand, at this point, Paul's not, has Paul done something wrong here? It's just been words that they didn't agree with, and it's come to the point of blows. We live in a world today where this is starting to occur in the, in the world that we live in. I just want you just to be aware of that. If you make a stand... Even what the Word of God may say is right, some people may go to blows in the world that we live in. It's on the news. It, 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 and five years ago, it, was, it wasn't like this, but it is now. So just understand, this isn't some weird concept that we can't grasp. It says, when they saw the tribune, a tri tri tribune is a, is a captain of the Roman guard, okay? He's, he's, he's a, 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 a Roman official who, who's, who's in charge of this, this group in this town says they stopped beating Paul. And then the tri tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. I just want you to see something here. It's an interesting note that Luke takes where he just wrote this, this last part. The Jews stir up. They want to kill him. They want to beat him. The Roman guard comes up and Paul is put into chains. We see uh, what occurred in the prophecy in Acts 20 by uh, Agabus the prophet has come true right here. Just don't, don't miss that fact. Now, in Acts chapter 22, see, we're already through Acts 21. We're jumping now to Acts 22. Um, Paul's given the opportunity to speak, and I'll bet you'll never guess what he has to share. Anybody know? God, the gospel, God. Yes, wherever Paul speaks, this is what he says. And I love the way he starts. He's just been, been attacked, beaten, and uh, chained up, and this is the way he starts off his, his, his talk. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. This group that is, is attacking him against him, he calls them brothers and fathers. What a, what a gracious, just don't miss the com compassion that he has as there's 
older men there who he grants respect to. Do they deserve respect? Probably not. Do these peers deserve the respect to be called brother? Probably not. But he's gracious in even the way he talks. And as we defend the gospel as we talk, we need to learn a little bit to be gracious. Be gracious. He says, hear the defense that I now make before you. Uh, and when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew lang- lang- language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, Sil- Sil- but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of, of Gam- Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way. That's what Christianity was called at the time, the way or this way. From from John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. That's how they got the name, the way. So he said, uh, uh, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. So he goes, hey, I got to let you know, guys, I was just like you, exactly like you. I was probably even worse than some of you that I'm speaking to because I, 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 would, I would help bind them. I would help catch them. I would help attack them because I was totally against them because I, I was raised as a Jew, as a great Jew, and I did everything as a great Jew just right. And when I heard about this, I attacked it. And then he goes on and he tells the same story that's in Acts 9, Verses 1 through 18, that's the, his conversion experience on the road. So all of a sudden he goes, hey, so it goes like this. I was on this road. And then he goes into this, how Christ appeared to him and how his life was changed and how Ananias came, came, came to him. And he even shares part of that story in Ananias that we don't see in, in, in Acts 9. He says this. He says uh, in verse 14, uh, and uh and Ananias had said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a, a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. So that's why he said, this is what Ananias said to me. He said, Paul, you will be a witness to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Now, don't miss this. What's Paul doing right now? He's telling that story from Acts 9 to a crowd, and we're in Acts 22 here, and he's being a witness of everything of what he has seen and heard. At this point in, in the story, Paul's giving his testimony. It's his life before Christ, how he came to Christ, and what has gone on after he gave his life to Christ, and what Christ has done, and what Christ can do for them. That, 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 that's what Paul is doing. You go, well, I don't know if I have a story to give. We all have a story uh, sto- to give. It may not be as dramatic as Paul's, but we all have a story to give. So now uh, he starts to talk to them about how he, he at the end, when he was healed, he fled away. And then he talks about how he was even there. Hey, I was even there when, when Stephen was killed, and I even approved of his kill- killing, this, this be- believer in Christ. I was there. And at that point, the crowd gets mad, turns on him. They don't let him talk anymore, and they want to kill him. Uh, and they're trying to rip him apart. And what we're about to read about, this little text right here, it sets the stage for everything else we're going to talk about tonight. And it really sets the stage for everything else that occurs in Acts. So don't, don't miss it. Don't let the rambling of, of, of Dan make you miss this part, because this is a very, very key part uh, and it says this in, in, in verse in 
Acts 22, verse 24, says the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks. So they're doing this to protect him because he's getting ripped to shreds by, by the crowd, uh, uh, saying that he, he, he should be ex- examined by flogging to find out what they were sh- 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 shouting uh, against him like, like this, why they were shouting against him like this. Has anybody ever been examined by flogging? And I wish they had this in schools nowadays because I really think there would be a lot more order and, and, and peace. And somebody's phone's going off. We got it. We won't say who, Natalie. Um, <clears throat> so so um, examined by flogging. No one has really been, and this is what this means. We're going to beat you until you tell us the truth uh, or you recant on what you were saying. Recant means to, t- to take it back. Oh, I didn't mean that. We're, that's what, so if, if someone ever comes up to you, hey, we want to do an examination by flogging, you don't want that. Do we understand? Okay. So, so that's what they're, they're about to do to him. They're about to beat him down. It says verse tw- 25, but when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? Uncon- when the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to, to him, tell, tell, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. The tri- tribune an- an- answered, I, bu- I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, but I'm a citizen by birth. So those who are about to were about to examine him, withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had been, he had bound him. Okay, simple, simple thing occurs. They find out he's a Roman citizen and they back off really quick. Big plot twist here if you don't really understand what is going on. See, Roman citizenship was 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 something of, of great great worth and it brought with it um, um, privileges that a lot of pe- people did did not have now you could be a Roman ci- citizen of three ways one way by birth of your father if your if your father was a good good Roman you would be a little good good Roman okay it was it was instilled on you from your father. It could also be bought at a very great price, like a lifetime's wage times 10 over most of what most people would make. A great amount of wealth, it could be bought, uh, as this tribune had done. And the third way, it's interesting, it's by servitude. If you served in the Roman army for 30 years and were still alive at the end of it, you were a Roman citizen. All right. So it's something you're like 30 years and just thinking those times to still be alive. The odds were probably very, very poor for, for that. So the perks that you had was were that you could vote, uh, that you could sue. You you could have a voice in a court court of law um, that that you would not be bound or tied up, that you could not be beaten or tore tortured or examined by flogging. These were, a Roman citizen was exempt from from these harsh things. Uh, And so uh, it's it's a high honor uh, to be 
of Roman citizens. Well, why is this important? Look at the rest of this text because we're going to see the fact of, of who he is by birth, not what he's done per se, but who he is by birth has a great effect on, on how he's used by God in the rest of this text. Look here in, in Acts uh, chapter 23, uh, we see he speaks to the crowd again. And surprise, surprise, the Jews are tick, ticked at him and they plot to kill him. And there's actually 40 of them. So let's like, let's go, let's just take this group, this half of the room here. You're, you're roughly a group of 40. 40 men can con, 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 conspire to, to kill Paul and, um, and they will not eat. They make a vow to not eat food until Paul is dead. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone's I'm like, I, 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 yeah, I can guarantee with my word I'm going to kill him. But if I say I'm going to kill him and I'm not going to eat until that guy's dead, dude, I'm, I'm, the, I'm going after him big time because I like food a lot. You know what I'm saying? They were serious about what they were doing. Their plan was to wipe him out. Now, I, I want you to keep in mind, if Paul wasn't a Roman citizen, He's not going to have the protections that you see him get in this next text. So it's very important. His by birth and sort of what, what occurs here. Look here in verse Acts chapter 23, verses 23 and 24. It says, Then he, the tri, 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 tribune, called two of the centurions and said, Get ready 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix, the, the governor. The Romans are bad guys. You get that. In the story, they're bad guys. They're, they're not doing things that are, are going for God at all. But God uses them to protect Paul. Not just two of them, not just four of them. The text says 470 of them guard Paul and take him from point A to the safe place in point B. Why? They would not have done this for a Jew. They would not have done this for a non-Roman. But they, they did it because he was a Roman citizen by birth. Interesting way this works here. Now, um, one more thing is right before they go down and, and take Paul from here to Felix, the gov- 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 governor's place, they, um, it says in verse 11, the following night the Lord stood by him. So this is the night before and said, take courage. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. So, so God says, hey, have courage. What you've done here is what I've called you to do. And I will take you all the way to Rome uh, and for you to do the same thing there. So, so, so the, the, the Lord meets with him. So in Acts 24, hang with me. There's a main point to this, and it's huge for everybody in this room. Acts 24, once again, Paul talks about who? God, again. And he's with Felix. And he's talking about God and the resurrection. And it says that that Felix called on Paul daily. And daily, Paul talked to him about Jesus Christ. For two years. That's a that's a long time, isn't it? But it doesn't say Paul got tired and Paul quit. Paul, Paul gave up. But daily he would call Paul to talk, and every day Paul would talk and have something else to talk about uh, about 
Jesus. Why did Paul have this ability to do this? He was in prison there, but he was a, a Roman citizen. So he was given much more rights than a normal prisoner would have been given. I just want you to see through this text, uh, we see him speak to the crowd. We see him speak to this Felix, the, the, the governor. We're going to see him speak to a guy named Fet. Festus, who takes over for Felix, he's going to speak to a a, a king, as King Agrippa, who um, and Paul always says the same things to it. Question one: Did Paul earn his citizenship? No, he didn't. Right? It was it was by birth. It was by birth, and I don't know if he ever had to use that card before. It seems like he never had to pull that card out and say, "Hey, I'm a Roman citizen." But here he does. Uh, so he did nothing, but it gave him what? What did it give him? Opportunity. Can I tell you all this? Every one of you have God given things that you haven't gained, you haven't earned, that give you opportunities all the time. I like to call them platforms. And we can take this and, and take a look at, at sports. And there's some in this room. There's many. I've seen you in this room. And you excel in sports, whether it's volleyball or soccer or track or baseball or, or whatever it is. Insert the sport name. Do you understand this? Just as Paul's citizenship and truth was to keep him so that God could use him to keep him safe so that he could continue to spread the gut, the gospel, a lot of, of your God-given gift as a believer in, G, in Jesus Christ is, is to be a platform for you to share the gospel, to talk about God, to bring him up, to point someone in need to him. Now, now you may be here and go, well, I'm not really that great in sports. I was probably like you, Dan, when you were a teenager. Uh, I just That's just not, well, do you play an instrument at all? Do you sing? Do you do drama or act? Do, do you write? We all have something, something that we love doing, and it's what we call our platform. And as we do this thing, there's others around us in life that will come around us, whether they're teammates or coaches or fans that will, will, will see what we're doing, and they will talk to us just because of what we're doing, and it's a platform. It's an opportunity for us to share the gospel. Do you hear me? Does this make any sense at all? Or am I... Y'all look as tired as I feel. One of the greatest examples of using your platform is a guy I can't stand named Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow wrecked my household. We were an FSU household. My son... Stop it. My son Noah was growing up. Tim was playing. Noah just started liking football when Tim was winning championships. And, um, and I couldn't really tell him, hey, that guy's a punk, man. Don't watch him. Don't root for him. Don't want to be like that guy. Because Tim, he, he's good at sports, right? Yes? No. He, he's great at sports. He's fantastic at college more than NFL. But, but still, it, NFL, can I tell you this? Wherever he's gone, God's hand has been on him some way because he's excelled in some way, even when the world didn't want to give him credit. Even when he played for the Broncos and they hadn't won a playoff game in forever, and he does this crazy screen pass across, or a slant across, and they score a touchdown and win the game. First 
playoff win they had had in, in, in some time, and they still were like, oh, well, he just sort of lucked out with, with, with that pass. You're like, he just won. The Jaguars would kill for one playoff win. You know what I'm saying? We would kill. We would, like, not eat for a week if we could. Okay, so um, anyways, <clears throat> you know, one thing that I love about, about Tim Tebow, I got to meet Tim when he was in the 10th grade with Denise high school. I had him set up to come speak to my youth group as a 10th grader. Uh, it worked out where something came, something mixed up and it, it didn't work out that week for him to come. And so we never really got to reset that up. But he was going around as a 10th grader, understanding he had a platform because he had an arm and folks would talk a lot about it. And he was going to use that not just to talk about sports, but he would talk about sports, but he was going to talk about who? Man, he's always, is he still, does he still talk about God? Dude, it's impressive. That's how we're called to use the platform that we're in. If you want to be like a guy, be like this guy. Now, understand, just as, as there's a lot of folks in, in this world that do not like Tim. They, they, they joke about him, uh, and he, he still walks pretty tall. It's pretty impressive that he just goes past it because God has a, has a, a plan for him. There's, there's times, there's many times when you are, are living in this world and you are, are, are trying to do what is, is right, that the world is going to rip, rip you apart. Rip you apart. There was a, a, an interesting thing that occurred um, on uh, this past week when Hurricane Har- Har- Harvey hit in Houston and all, that, all the, the, the flooding. Take a look. There's a, there's a news thing on that. It's just a minute long. I want you to take a look at it flooding in smaller boats because this not, current not that is one. continuing not to that get one. stronger and the water the one before it. there you go reporter tom yamas from abc news caused controversy tuesday when he tweeted he had informed authorities of looting yamas originally tweeted he was at a houston supermarket and was witnessing looting he said he informed police of looting and coast guard is flying overhead multiple officers on the scene Many critics responded to the tweets, pointing out that with few options for food or assistance, it was justified for stranded survivors to take food from a supermarket. Yamas later tried to clarify his statement. He deleted one of his tweets and said that he was with police officers who were investigating a body when he told them he saw people enter the store with their faces covered. All right. Any of y'all see that story at all? Anything? It was was on news about a week ago. And um, what was incredible is this guy, um, like, like nine out of ten of them on, on Twitter, Twitter were, were like attacks against him, going, you are such a snitch, you need to get a life, how dare you, these folks. And they were, they were trying to justify what is going on. Now, this is the truth about when storms like this hit, when, stor- when, when storms hit and there's, there's, there's looting, it's weird thing. The, the first two things that go are alcohol and the drugs, the prescription drugs. Every time, this is a known fact by everybody who, who, who does, does these, these things. That's the first things that are hit because they're trying to steal drugs, get them on the street, per, prescription drugs, not like your NyQuil, more than that, okay? Um, so this guy had to, like, like, step away from the limelight. He's an ABC News report, reporter. And all he said was, hey, Man, it, it's it's. I just had to tell some cops that there were some some folks with the masks on that were going to the store. T- 
to, to steal food, a store that wasn't there. So this is a day and a half after the flood hit. So usually most people aren't starving at that point. And the world has ripped him apart where he's just not been on the news the past week and a half. I don't know if he'll even, even be able to bounce back from it. Did he do the right, the right thing, you think? If I own the store, I would say, yeah, you did, you did the right thing. You know, if it got to the point where they were, were, were starving, that's an, another story. But he used his platform, ABC News guy, just put it out there. Didn't have to, just put it out there. Maybe he was wanting a pat on the back, and he got totally slapped down. The world's not always going to agree with the message that you have. It's just not. Your, your team isn't always going to agree with the message that you have. But, man, it's so important for them to hear there's so many of them that aren't telling a tenth of what of the pain they feel inside over rejection, of home life, on self-worth that is so low. That's all hidden. We, we know about that, right? Because we, we hide it really well, too. Man, so, so understand that that's the platform we have. Now, there was one, one more guy uh, uh, that was, uh, came down to help with the storm. And he's just living life. But I saw this on the news as well. And I thought, this guy is just gold. He's a Kentucky guy who is just pure redneck, which is not bad. My dad's a redneck, so it's not a cut down. Everybody's like, oh, he's a redneck. It's okay, my dad's a redneck. Uh, but look at, look at what, how, how many times he talks about God in this interview that he has on, on the cuff flooding in smaller boats because this current is continuing to get stronger and the water is continuing to rise. We actually met these gentlemen on the road. We were driving, uh, trying to get to this area, um, and we met them at a stoplight. We saw them pulling a boat and uh, decided to hook up with them. They, they came all the way from Kentucky because they saw the need here in the Houston area because of Hurricane Harvey. They wanted to be here and they wanted to help. So, so John, tell me, tell me why, uh, what played into your decision to, to come here? Well, I, I watched it on TV, and I thought, there's got to be something I can do, you know. Uh, I laid down, and I tried to sleep, and I had a burden on my heart, and I feel like God was telling me I need to come help. So I drove 18 hours, came down here, and jumped in the water, and been looking ever since, trying to help somebody, you know. We just come from a time in Kentucky where people used to love people and use things, and it seems like the world's graduation graduated to using people and loving things, you know. And uh, there's a lot of good people down here, man. Though I mean, I feel right at home down here. I miss my family, but I feel right at home. And and, and where have you been in, in in the last few days? Where what have you seen while, while in Houston? Well, if I told you, I'd lie because I don't really know where I was at. I just know I put in water and I put in water and I, and I got some people out of the creek that was in their car flooded. I, well, we just put in over on by I-45. Anywhere that they would let us get in, we got in. And believe me, it's hard to get in, but there's reasons for some of it. I mean, the current's strong, and thank God we brought a bass boat with something to push us around. But uh, some of these little boats are struggling with the current, and they're having to rescue the rescuers, you know. So uh, that's why they're kind of cautious, I guess. But I'm just thankful that God can use me to do a little bit of something for somebody. And... Uh, Glad to meet you and glad to know y'all. All right. Well, and you're actually a pastor, too. You mentioned that. Well, I actually, at this time, I don't pastor. I'm just an evangelist. But I like pastoring. You have to have a heart for it. But I love people. But I just, not so much the social gathering of church. But uh, I love evangelizing. I love God. And uh, 
met up with my brother Danny here and uh, great man of God and uh, God just brought our paths together and uh, I just thank God for everything. There's people that fed us in Houston. We were going down the road from a rescue and these people flagged us down. They said, we're, we can't do anything else but we're barbecuing for all the rescue. We stopped and them people fed us. We felt like we was at home I mean, and we were hungry. I mean, there's no place open to get nothing to eat and uh, them people fed us. I just... I just wanted to cry, man. I've never seen so much love in a place in my life as I've seen here. And uh, I just thank God for the opportunity to do something for you. All right. Well, we thank you for, for letting us uh, come along with you so we can give you these pictures of, of what's going on in our city. So so much love uh, and so much devastation. Um, look at these cars. Uh, water water all the way uh, up the side of them. So far, we... we uh... All right. Did y'all like that guy at all? I wanted to hug him through the screen. You know, there's so many things in our world today that points to what Christians are like. And I want to go, this this is what they're like. This is what they're they're called to be. This is what they should look like, not what you're throwing on the screen. This guy has a platform that he didn't plan to have. He just was going down the boat. God led him to, to drive 18 hours bring his boat and, 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 and brother and friend, go just help out folks. A news thing is going, hey, can we get in your boat to film some of the stuff? He's like, yeah, sure, I, you can do that. You know, however he said it. And, and, and he, um, he takes the opportunity. He just tells it like it is. And it wasn't like he had to think a whole lot. That's just what he thought. I mean, this is who God is. This is what, God wants us to do that. And he says a phrase that is incredibly deep. He says... Um, we come from a town where, where they love people and use things, and now it seems like the world, they use people and love things. Whoa! That is crazy true, is it not? Should we be a world that loves people and we use things? Yeah. Man, that should be something on the T-shirt we will walk around with, going, this is what we're called to be about. I just love the fact he, he had a platform that he didn't ask for, but he, 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 he took it. Then, it, you know, it, we get to Acts chapter 26. Y'all have hung with me well. Thank you for hanging with me. I know it's, it's sort of been a lot to, to run. He, this king uh, is before him, Festus, a friend of Festus, who took over for Felix as, as governor after two years, has a buddy, King Agrippa, come. And he says, hey, Agrippa, I got this guy uh, down in the jail part. Paul, you should talk to him. He's got some crazy stuff that he says. So the king and his wife go, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to this guy. Now, don't forget, in Acts 9, it said that he would go before kings and Gentiles to spare the gospel. Also, we see here, right here, he's before a king, King Agrippa. And you won't ever believe what Paul talks about in Acts chapter 26. And he does this. He says, I was a devout Jew. That's what he talks about at first. Then he says, you know what? There was this thing called the way, uh, and I wanted to stamp it out because I, I fought against it. And when, when we would vote on if we should kill a guy who was, who was a believer, I would cast my stone into the lot to, to kill him. That's how much I couldn't stand him. And then he says this, but then I went down this, this road going to Damascus, and everything changed. 
And he goes and he tells, tells this before this king. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's his testimony. He's repeating the same thing that he said in Acts 21, the same thing we read in Acts 9. You're like, the Bible's repeating itself, repeating itself. Why? Because that's all we've got to do, people. Repeat what God is doing and has done in our life. That's what we need to do. And then it says this, verse 24, and this is going to wrap things up. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a, a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind. Most excellent Festus. I would love to call one of my kids that. You're lucky I hadn't read this earlier, Noah. Um, but I'm speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. So he's talking directly to the king there. For I'm per- persuaded that none of these things have escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. He says, hey, listen, this has not been hidden. This has been for the world to see, that one to see it. And the king was from around there. And then, then the verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets, and he says, I know you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a, a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Hey, I want you, truth be told, I want you to become just like me. I just don't want you to be chained up or enslaved like I am. He says, you know what? I want the best for you. That's exactly what I want from you. Even when you're sarcastic in the way that you say it, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. So when you have this, everybody up here, platform that God has placed you in with abilities that every one of you have in in some way, when you have that and someone says, you trying to convince me of this? You might go, well, you know what? It's, It's changed my life. I know it can change yours. And that's what I want for you. Yeah. I want you to know the peace that I know. That is what we do with our platform. God has placed you all in places I will never, ever get to. But you can. You see, my platform is I am am my uniqueness and what makes me stand out. I'm a stirring youth pastor. I know you're stunned. You're like, what? Really? Is this like the, the old you? No, it's just me all, all day long. I used to tell people it's an act. I just do it for sympathy, but I wish. Um, anyways, so I'm a, I'm a stuttering youth pastor, and evidently I can say this, and not pridefully because it's been God, but God has used it, or I've just fooled the tar out of everybody because I've been doing it for 24 years. And they don't let you do it for that long unless you're making an impact somehow. That's my platform, and it affects folks. They can come in this room, or adults when I speak in big church, they will come up to me and go, I'm just amazed that, that you stand up in front of a crowd and that you, you speak. I haven't ever seen your, your courage, and I go, it's not courage. I'm just afraid, more afraid of, of God than I am of the world. I'm more afraid of letting him down than letting the world down because he is worth all the more. That's the only reason why I stand up and at times feel like I make a fool of myself. I'm, he- I'm just like you. I've got the same feelings that you. You hide it. You feel tough. You're good. But, man, I have some, some nights I'm just like, oh, God, do I really have to do this? It's my pl- platform. I 
I, I wear it well a lot of times. There's sometimes I don't wear it well. I don't do it near as well as I should. What's your platform? Find it. Speak up. Be like this guy in the boat. God this. God that. God change me that. Make your friends go, is that all you talk about? And go, well, I'm working on it. That's what I want to be about. Y'all are so entrenched, whether you're homeschooled or not, in the, cult, the, the small town that we have here, that's you, that is Yuli. You are impactors everywhere around here. You don't understand the, the grip that you have on the schools and stuff around here. It's your platform. Don't waste it. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much just for the opportunity just to talk uh, and just sort of seeing the life of Paul, this one thing that he didn't even gain on his own or, or earn that, 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 that you used so that he could be used for your honor and glory. God, you, you've got gifts and abilities in this room, God, and I thank you for them. And God, I just ask that, that as we have fun, as we use them, that we also don't lose sight, that there's a purpose for them, and the purpose is for your honor and glory. Lord, we've got to learn to let's just speak your name out. Let's just start with that, where we go, that God changed my life, and just see where that goes with the, the people, the coaches that you put us with. God, I thank you for every student in this room. I thank you for your word. Lord, empower us just to be used by you for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.